This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Woodstock Nation. Your host, Marla Davies. Hello, welcome to Woodstock Nation. We're all about Woodstock. Happened 50 years ago. I have to admit, I wish I was old enough to go to Woodstock. I would, you know, I was a kid, and honestly, I don't even remember like the weekend of Woodstock. It's not even doesn't even come to my mind. My good friend Lori Z, also a music a DJ and aficionado. Do you remember the Woodstock? Do you remember it 50 years ago? Do you remember like, oh my gosh, this is Woodstock and I really want to go to it? Or are you just too busy playing with Barbie dolls? <laughs> well, I had a preference for stuffed animals, but... Okay. Um, it, but I I do... All I really remember is when the movie came out. Yes. Um, you know, and I was really into it and I got the three... Um, it was three albums, you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was an amazing thing. So it's almost like we learned about Woodstock after the fact. We, uh, when it was happening, we had no idea it was happening. Yeah, because we were too young. But um, I do have various friends and colleagues who uh, actually, I can think of at least one person I know who, who went to it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people went to it and you're starting, these people are surfacing, you know, they're coming out They're going, I went to Woodstock. What an amazing, you know, what an amazing experience. I could have only just imagined how fantastic it would have been, but yeah, we were little kids. Yeah. The movie came, I don't even remember where I became conscious of Woodstock. I think it was my cousin, my hippie cousin from New Jersey. They were <laughs> hardcore hippies, and they just were totally into it. They were so into it. I mean, the girl, I mean, remember it was the summer that we went to visit them, and all these hippies came over, and the girls were, you know, had, didn't shave under their armpits, and that re- <laughs> that really freaked out a lot of people, like the older people. <laughs> Well, I recently read uh, Graham Nash's autobiography, and you do, I'm sure you know that Crosby, Stills, and Nash were at that event. Of course, and Neil Young had performed a set with them. They did an acoustic set and then an electric set. Right, and in his book, he talks a lot about how that really was the beginning of I mean you ha- if you were a rock musician at that time and you weren't at Woodstock then you missed out right I mean Led Zeppelin had a chance to play and their manager you know they listened to their manager all the time Peter Graham and he told him oh don't worry about it that's just not going to be anything and that's like you people can live with a lot of regret when they had like Joni Mitchell I mean she wrote the song Woodstock and she didn't get to go to Woodstock and the story behind that is she was supposed to do, I believe it was the Nick Cavett show. Okay, yeah. The next day. And so her manager advised that she didn't go because he didn't want her to miss that opportunity. And yeah, she here she wrote the anthem. So. 
you know, it's all about life choices. So, yeah, she wrote the anthem. What a beautiful song. Huge hit Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, made of that song. But when you listen to the Joni Mitchell version, oh, my, it's so beautiful and haunting and just... It's an incredible version. The original just beats all as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and um, it's true. Well, yeah, I mean, it's really hard because I love Joni and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young um, kind of in the same, on the same level. But um, so I appreciate the the individual uh, versions Mm-hmm. Um, where I tend to just really go for, I, I tend to go for the original version of a song usually. So a cover has to really be awesome for me to like it, but they, you know, Joni's, yeah, Joni's is a, a very, um, ethereal kind of take. And yes. then, uh, Theirs is more rocked out for sure. Yeah, rocked out. They rocked it out, and I I like both of them very much. I always like to rock. <laughs> <laughs> that never gets old for me. <laughs> never gets old. Yeah. Oh my! It's fun to reminisce about Woodstock, even though we never got to go. We're living through the movie and the album we bought years later, or who knows when. Yeah, I, I know. Was probably, I think I was probably in high school when I bought the album. See, yeah, it was like years later. We were so beyond the curve there. But, you know, <laughs> better late than never. <laughs> and now people are still talking about how great Woodstock was. So there you have it. Well, Lori Z, thank you so much for joining us today on Woodstock Nation. Uh, and, of course, Woodstock Nation, the documentary coming out this year as well. Thanks again. Talk to you later, Lori Z. My pleasure. Love you, girl. You too. Welcome to Woodstock Nation. Your host, Marla Davies. Well, let's listen to a little bit of Joni Mitchell as she introduces the song she wrote, Woodstock. This uh, next song that I'm going to play is um, about one of these pop festivals that they've been having around the world lately. Um, it's one that I didn't really get to go to. Um, I'd been playing the night before in Chicago with a, a band, friends of mine, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, etc., etc. And uh, it was their first professional appearance, and we were all kind of excited about it. And the next night, we were supposed to all play in Woodstock, and I had to do a TV show the next day, so I kind of got left behind because they were having problems getting people in and getting them back out again and everything. So I stayed home in New York and I watched it on television all day <laughs> and saw everybody there playing and singing. And it was really a nice festival, I guess, and from the looks of everything. And well, I wrote a little song for my friends to sing and, and uh, for myself to sing as well. And it's called Woodstock. How about if we listen to a little bit of Joni Mitchell's song, here's her version of Woodstock. By the time we got to Woodstock, we were half a million strong and everywhere. There was song in a celebration. the bombers riding shotgun in the sky and they were turning in to 
Woodstock Nation. Your host, Marla Davies. It is Woodstock Nation, and we've got more after this. Woodstock Nation. We've been listening to all these very cool versions of Woodstock. We heard Joni Mitchell's version. She wrote the song, so she's got the heart space there. But here is a version that's super cool that we found. It is David Crosby, along with Snarky Puppy, Becca Stevens, and Michelle Willis, recorded in 2016, doing their version of Woodstock. And everywhere was a song and a celebration. And I dreamed I saw the bombers riding shotgun in song Justice Woodstock if we did not play the version recorded by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. They made a huge hit of it back in 1970. This is recorded at the Fillmore East Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and their version of Woodstock.
Stock Nation. It's Woodstock Nation, the podcast. Talking about the bands that didn't play Woodstock, which really sticks out. Of course, we talked about Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell was dating Graham Nash at the time, really, really did want to perform at Woodstock, but she ended up being on the Dick Cavett show instead. Did make her way into the history books by writing the song Woodstock Made Popular by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. She said, you know what was so powerful? For the first time, kids saw that they were part of a greater organism. And that's true. A half a million people strong in a time of war, that's always a tough situation. And, you know, the kids really proved that they could live a peaceful, definitely a peaceful environment. Some of the bands that weren't there, Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck was on the poster and broke up the band in July. So... They were not playing at Woodstock, but if you've got one of those commemorative posters from 1969, you'll see Jeff Beck. Also, Iron Butterfly, too. They were on the bill. Apparently, they were stuck at the airport, and their manager was demanding all these crazy things. The personal helicopter, special arrangements just for them, you know, the diva treatment. And you know what the situation was. And so, basically, they sent a wire back. You know, that's how long ago that was. A wire, right? They sent and basically told them, you know what? We don't need you guys. Forget it. Iron Butterfly off the bill, just like that. There was talk that the Beatles were supposed to be there. Lots of speculation about that because they couldn't get... Well, John couldn't get his papers to work here in America, so that just denied everything there. Of course, you know we already talked about Led Zeppelin. They should have been there, could have been there, denied it, and regretted it. Simon and Garfunkel declined working uh, working at Woodstock, even showing up for Woodstock, because they were working on a new record. The Moody Blues could have been there. They were also included in the original poster as performers, and they backed out after taking a gig in Paris on the same weekend. Chicago, then they were the Chicago Transit Authority. I love that band. When I was a kid, oh, they were just my absolute favorite. Well, Bill Graham had a little bit of control over them, and what he did was he moved some of their dates around because they were supposed to also play Woodstock, and he ended up getting those some dates at the Fillmore, the historic Fillmore, instead of playing at Woodstock. And then suddenly Chicago was double booked. And Bill's like, sorry, guys, you got to play the Fillmore and got to give up Woodstock. Ah, and then suddenly Santana, who Bill also managed, uh, they took Chicago's slot. Peter Cetera said, we were pretty peeved at him for that, regretted it and all that good stuff. But Santana, was, we as know, was a good break for Santana. Tommy James and the Shondells, they declined an invitation to play. They were really big. Remember Crystal Blue Persuasion? Uh, Tommy James later said, we could have been, you know, there at Woodstock. We were kicking ourselves. There we are in Hawaii. And my secretary calls us and said, yeah, listen, there's this pig farmer in upstate New York that wants you to play in his field. That's how they heard it, and they're like, what? Oh, hell no. So we passed on it, and then we realized what we missed a couple of days later. The Doors. 
they were considering also playing at the Woodstock, canceled at the very last minute at, from the Woodstock Festival. According to Robbie Krieger, they turned it down because they thought it was going to be a second-class repeat of the Monterey Pop Festival. They did regret that later. Of course, Monterey Pop, we always say uh, in the documentary that we're working on, Woodstock Nation, the revolution evolution and life-changing magic of music festivals from Woodstock to today. But Monterey Pop was an amazing festival. It happened here in the Bay Area before Woodstock. And, you know, you really could, you could maybe get over, you know, get in a little argument about what really started it because that was an amazing festival. That is where Hendrix burnt his guitar on stage. We were there shooting uh, at Cali Roots for the documentary Woodstock Nation, and there is the that is the same exact stage 50 years ago. What a monument, right? And there is the Hendrix burn mark on the stage. So that's pretty cool. Janice played there, so many of the big names. So you could almost say it really, Monterey Pop was the big festival at the time. Jethro Tull also declined, and according to frontman Ian Anderson, he knew it was going to be a big deal. And he's like, uh, yeah. I know, it's going to be a big deal, but I really don't like hippies. And I'm really not that big on naked people and heavy drinking and drug use. So they declined also playing. There was talk about the Rolling Stones playing. Uh, Mick Jagger, I guess there was a point, maybe they were going to play. Mick Jagger was in Australia filming. Uh, Keith Richards' girlfriend had just given birth to their son. So they bowed out too. So there's a lot of potential and a lot of bands that could have been, might have been, should have been, just didn't make the cut. Woodstock Nation. Today we've been listening to versions of Woodstock, the original song done in different ways, and of course talking about the bands that did not play Woodstock. And the rest is history. It's Woodstock Nation. Any music used in Woodstock Nation, the podcast, is owned by the artist and is used for education and illustration purposes only. Woodstock Nation, the podcast, in association with Woodstock Nation, the documentary, to be released in 2019. It's brought to you by the wonderful people at Green Age Development. Talk to you next time. Peace. Peace, love, and thanks for being part of the tribe. From Marla Davies and everyone here at Woodstock Nation. Tune in. Turn on. Next week.